Hello and welcome to Tell the Tale Story, the podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being creative so that you can more easily tell your own damn story. Hey, Alex Simmons, how are you? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's here. Yes, he is once again. Yes, I am here. The legendary creator of Blackjack and the writer of Batman and Archie and your mom and so what? many <laughs> others. It is him. He's here. Alex Simmons, ladies and gentlemen. Say Chris, hello, Alex. Chris, have you been smoking something? You've been rubbing the Vaseline on your forehead too much? What it's just a beautiful me? day, you know, and I wanted to give you yes, the props you deserve. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, I'm here and my buddy, good time friend of over 30 years, yeah, uh, fellow writer and dear friend and father of one of my godchildren, Mr. Christopher. Yes, he is also an author of plays, films and books. Ryan. Yeah. OK, right good. now, now I'm, we in, have uh, I'm in the last lap of writing uh, my first Western. I was oh, invited. short story though, right? Short story. Uh, it's ten, ten, ten k. So, you know, um, you're getting paid ten k for it. What? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> ten thousand words. So it is what it is. But um, having a great time with it, and um, yeah, you tell us to, more about that later, it, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just trying to get it done, and I needed a break. This is perfectly timed. I am excited. Why are you excited, to see Alex, Chris? But well, we have a special guest. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. To having guests uh, due to popular demand, they say we want to hear less <laughs> yeah, from I, you I and Alex <laughs> and more from other people. <laughs> so, and who's our guest today, sir? Oh, I thought you were going to do the introduction. Oh, okay. Sir. I'd be more than happy to because I have known this man just a little bit less time-wise than I've known you. I've known you for like years, centuries. and I've known this man for... 25 or so years, and it's been a remarkable ride and a glorious ride. And we get to talk to Mr. Jamar Nicholas. Yay! Hey, What's up, thank- Jamar? And the crowd went wild. Hey, Jamar, how are you? Touchdown. How are you? <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tell the Damn Story, Jamar. Great to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you both. And thank you so much. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, you know, uh, Chris and I just met, and uh, Alex. Uh, Alex means a lot to me, and it's great that uh, we're able to catch up on film. <laughs> yeah, on film, video, and anything else. We yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, magnetic tape, yeah. So Chris is coming to the world today from Joyzy, and I'm coming to the world from the Bronx in New York City. And Jamal, where are you at the moment? I am just a little outside of the jurisprudence of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Jurisprudence. Uh, uh, you like that? Uh, I'm um, a Philadelphia native, but a couple of years ago, we bought a house like, like I could see the the, the city line across the street. So <laughs> I can see Philadelphia from my porch. <laughs> I can see it from here. Uh, so you know, I know there's a big thing. I was just talking about this with somebody about claiming, uh, mis misclaiming where you're from. You know, mm-hmm. and then and then when you get caught with the with red hands, they go, well, you know, I figure you never heard of this little town I'm from. So I said this other big town. But, okay. you know, I, I have my I have my certificates but my credentials are in order. I'm a Philadelphia. So there you go. There you go. There you go. And that's where we met, too. I think the first time yeah. was at uh, ECBOC, which is the East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention yes, in sir. Philadelphia. All those many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Jamar is. Folks, if you can't tell from his voice, those of you who are listening, and if you can't tell from his looks, those of you who are watching, Jamar is a very mellow dude. I mean, he is just so cool, so nice, so giving. And one of the things I want to do is we're going to we're going to get to talking to you about your creations. But before we get to that, I we always love to give uh, the audience some sense of the person, the human being Mm -hmm. behind the artist, because we all come from somewhere. And and those moments in our lives actually affect or influence our art so you said you're from philadelphia which you got that part um what was it like growing up around you know the time that you were doing that and what got you into art in whatever form it was uh that's a that's a great question and a great beginning of an origin story so once upon a time yes that's right i hope everybody used the restroom before we got started (laughs) um (laughs) 
So, but yeah, I, I'm from Philly. My family is from uh, West Philadelphia, and I'm sure born and raised. All the Fresh Prince jokes aside, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my family's from West Philly and also North Carolina. But I grew up for a, a small part of my childhood in West Philly, and um, for some reason, and a lot of people ask me this about. Uh, comic books and the connection between me and comic books. Uh, I grew up loving comic strips, so I was a voracious newspaper reader. Mm -hmm. uh, the the funny pages, as we called them, were the mm -hmm. funnies. Uh, and uh, there are reports that I started reading at a very early age. Uh, and I really connected with Doonesbury in the newspapers. Sure. So I don't, you know, I'm like four years old, and I love Gary Trudeau. <laughs> I, I know nothing about uh, geopolitical, uh, you know, happenings, but, you know, I really like Dewsbury and, you know, all the characters in there. Um, and from there, I really started to enjoy Blondie and Bloom County was a big thing later when that came out because Bloom County is a lot older than I recall it uh, to be because Bloom yeah. County seemed like a 90s strip, but it started in the 80s. Right, right, right. Oh, how, how can you not it love grew, it? It was like a slow grow, you know? Right, yeah. Any, uh, anything well, with a penguin in it has got to be cool. You know? Opus, <laughs> baby, Opus. I love Opus. Um, and, and there was something really fantastic about how Breathed cartooned. It was really manic. And mm -hmm. even like his shoestrings were just scribbles. You right. know, and it was just kind of like the suggestion of a character, but it all worked out in his style. And um, he I had loved... a great way of focusing you where he wanted your eye to go. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a really great director's eye. And you know, I'm picking up on these concepts. I don't know how to, you know, make them into a hamburger patty, but I'm just kind of <laughs> filing away this information. And then a little later on, I started getting into comic books. Uh, but I, I, I grew up really wanting to be a newspaper cartoonist. That's mm. fantastic. So you, you have to ask, since yeah. you said that, we have to ask, okay, top five strips for you all time. All right, let's go. Um, and, and this is, is a little bit of a cheat because some of the stuff I didn't actively read or was in my papers, but just from being uh, a student of the game, and I think every cartoonist has to be a student of what came before him. Sure. Um, I think Pogo by Walt oh, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is just a magnificent strip. We could talk about. We've Pogo. met the enemy, and he am us. <laughs> he am us. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Doonesbury, uh, Bloom County. Cal you know what? Calvin and Hobbes is a close, yeah. is a long yeah. fifth. But you know, but it's kind of like I was already so dyed in the wool with strips that mm -hmm. when when Calvin and Hobbes came out, I was like, wow, this is like it's all somebody figured out the cheat codes. Right, comic strips, and this is this guy, and I think I have one left. Yeah, um, one more. I, you know what? I really enjoyed Andy Cap. Andy Cap, mm. sure, sure. I love Andy Cap. You know, I don't think you can do a strip about domestic violence anymore, but oh, that was a can. pretty you can't wild. Do Popeye and Bluto and olive oil oh. smacking around each other anymore. Yeah, like um, Andy, Andy would come home from the pub, and his wife would, would him and him, they would have a fist fight, and then he'd sleep yeah. on the couch. You can't um, do that anymore. This will be a couple of days when we post this, but speaking of Calvin and Hobbes, mm -hmm. um, I had a minute to go on Facebook today mm -hmm. and ran into someone had done a writing assignment of some kind and a Calvin and Hobbes Facebook page, whether it's a fan page or whatever, mm. reprinted it with an illustration. And it is let's just say the end of their story. Oh, I think so, I've seen that. Yeah, seen that. it was so moving. I was brought to tears three different times. Wow. Amazing. I don't want it to be canon. You know, I never want to think of Calvin Hobbes other than the way they are, right. but it was beautifully done. So it's floating around, you know, social media. If you're interested, you can find it, everybody. But, uh, oh, hard strengths, you know. Oh, that, that's um cool. Let's use that to kind of catapult back into your work. Mm -hmm. So uh, you kind of see a humanity in all the ones that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring up this one great line from your bio. Um, Jamar aims to promote anti-bullying, healing, and kindness in his work. Mm -hmm. Did you see that in the comics you were reading growing up? 
or was that a conscious decision from your time as an educator? Where did that come from? Or as a kid, for that matter. Or is it, or is it West Philly? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I think that that's a pretty rich soup. <laughs> there's yes, a is. lot of, a lot of stuff is mixed in there. Uh, a couple of those things were kind of growing up in the the era of Philadelphia that I was in. It was kind of like right at the end of the like the Frank Rizzo uh, police mm-hmm. uh, uh, mayor uh, era. And there was just yeah. like a lot of unrest. Uh, yeah. Philly was very segregated. There was It was very kind of like, you know, the Italians were over here, the blacks were over there, the Asians were over there. And um you know, I kind of just grew up in a in a weird place where I didn't enjoy being a kid. Yeah. Childhood, I could not wait to get old. And a lot of people who know me was just like, oh, Jamal, you know, you have an old soul. You hear those kind right, of right, right. Sure. about people. I couldn't wait to be done with childhood so I could have some agency. Um, and it just wasn't a good thing. I didn't like being around other kids because I felt like groups of children never made good decisions. I've never been in a. I've never like, been in a. I want to put that on a shirt. <laughs> I've never been in a group like a bunch of kids are walking down the side of the road. Nothing good is going to happen from that. You know what I'm saying? So I was very, I was very distrusting of other kids, and it seemed like in the comic strips, everybody kind of got along and they all right. made good, good group decisions. And you know, Charlie Brown might wind up with his back from trying to kick the football or something like that. But it was all, it all kind of worked out. And I felt like the real world didn't work like that. Mm. So, still doesn't still, still does <laughs> <doesn't. laughs> adulthood you know, was not an answer <laughs> no you know but uh so and also kind of jumping ahead uh, i i wound up uh, adapting uh, jeff canada's memoirs fist stick knife gun uh probably 12 almost 12 13 years ago mm-hmm. and and a big part of that book not to jump too ahead is that you know it was a uh, the um a story about this man who grew up in the 50s and the 60s dealing with inner city kind of like youth youth politics you can't stay you can't stay in the house and i'm sure a couple of you guys but I grew up like yeah. this yeah you know after school and the weekends was for outside yeah and go if, out if, that's what you hear have, go out right you have to go out or get out and, get then, out. and then if you wanted to hide in the house the kids called you on that why are right. you hide? Why are you inside? Come yeah. out here. You want Somebody, punishment? <laughs> right. That was the only reason you were in the house. So, and you know, along with that was a lot of fighting in oh, in, yeah. this, in this man's story. And if any if anybody knows anyone who grew up in the inner city or is uh, has that history for themselves, they know that there's a lot of unintended violence that you go through as a kid. You fight yeah, for sure. kids on your block. You have to fight for status. You have to fight for even to yeah. hang out on your own step. If it wasn't the physical, it was the dozens and yeah. it was 24 seven. Yeah. It didn't yeah. end. It was relentless. And, you know, uh, I saw in this man's story from 20, 30 years before I was even kicking around that nothing had changed. Yeah. So, you know, after, after adapting the story and telling the story that um, I'm sorry to say is still very important. Did you? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Did you put it out as a graphic novel? Uh, yeah, I adapted it as a graphic novel. Same uh, title. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, and it's yeah. still I around. Copy something in here. Yeah, it's still around. And, <laughs> I'm going uh, on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, go get it right now. It's the ye- the yellow cover. We'll, we'll, we'll right? wait. Right, yellow cover. It. Is. Yeah. I'll remember it from my shirt. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and I, you know, I really connected with that because this guy went through the same stuff I went through, so it made it feel like nothing was changing or yeah. things were getting worse. So when I got a moment to do my own work, I wanted to be able to add to a positive conversation. Well, let me ask you a question based on that. Like he's because... going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because. In the face of all that, you know, kind of relentless abuse, yeah. right, uh, or or hostility in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and evidence that it hadn't changed, there had to be a lot of pressure or temptation to just give in and go with that flow and turn cynical. But you remained creative, and that is always a positive force. Mm-hmm. Um can you talk on that? How did how did you uh, get through all that and remain a creative? 
Oh, this is a great question. This no, this is fantastic because you know I think a lot of people look at I guess the end result of whatever my career is and go, oh wow, how cool is that? I was like, but every part of this was a fight. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean. And I and I sign in a, a lot of my books for kids make good choices, mm-hmm. and that means so much to me because like you know I can I can easily look back at my life and look at those forks. You know, I can look at those crossroads and I went this way and I could have went that way. And I'm sure you could catalog those for yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, But, you know, I know a lot of people who didn't make it or had or a thousand times more talented to me, but just fell into into a sand trap and couldn't get out. And it's just it's all choices and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of making unpopular decisions at the time that went against the status quo, the neighborhood, your friends, even your significant relationships. Because, you know, what, you know, the area I grew up in, uh, comics weren't popular. You know, I don't need to talk to you guys about that. You guys. That was one of the things you did uh, in kind of in secret. You went to the store, you got them, you put them under your coat. Yeah. Got him home quick, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you weren't reading anything on the bus. You got nah, bro. <laughs> you know, I had so. this buddy of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Roger. I've talked to him on about him on the show, but uh, you know, you used to wear those. Uh, we called them dungaree jackets, right? In our time, like and a jean jacket, right? Right, and they'd have the little pocket inside, right? So he'd come up to me and say, "Hey, hey, hey, I got something for you," and I'd lean towards him and and he'd pull out of his pocket a paperback and I'd slide it into my pocket so the friends didn't see, you know, it was Kurt Vonnegut, it was Jack Kerouac, you know, all that anything that was oh, you gotta check this out, right? But it always had to be you know, quiet and yeah, it looked like it it did look like a drug deal yeah, 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 you know I got that Slaughterhouse 5 here you go, here you go (laughs) <laughs> Yo, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. And, oh, I and got that good paperback, bro. Come on over. <laughs> got some Lord of the Flies for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it, it's it's very <laughs> odd that uh you know up until what maybe fifteen years ago that was still kind of like the 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 air we breathe, but everything nice. kind of changed. Like geek culture is pop culture. Right, right. Um, you know, I guess you know, for the benefit of my my sake and my career, I'm glad that we're here. But um, I, you know, I did an interview not too long ago where these young people who are actually from Philly were just giving me a lot of really great praise and things, and I was just like, wait, you, you know, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't celebrated coming up. You know, it was right. all resistance. The whole thing was resistance when mm-hmm. I was in high school. I was, I was, and I, and I went to performing arts high school, which is kind of like the fame school. Same, right here. Okay. Same here. Philly yeah. fame. Yeah, Philly <laughs> fame. And, you know, and uh, my teachers hated my guts. They, they they hated that I wanted to draw cartoons. Um, you know, it was all resistance. So just kind of like to, to like sail against the storm. You yeah. know, I'm fortunate I came out of the other end of it. That's but I, I, I actually, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, oh, no, I you could lose this. No, I don't want to lose this because, again, uh, I, as I think some you guys know that I also teach, um, not only individual students, but I also teach uh, students who are wanting to become screenwriters. Uh, and I teach at a, at a school here in New York. Um, and a lot of what students, whatever their age, whether you're talking 16 or 60, uh, I always find uh, a plethora of imposter syndrome or maybe my idea is stupid or you know um nobody's going to want to read this or i i don't have an important Mm -hmm. exciting life well what what do i have to write about and that's Mm -hmm. that's a big thing no matter where people come from and yet in our case in your case and in mine at least part of that also was an oppressive scenario that we were coming up that we were dealing with so we had a certain amount of history telling us you people can't do anything. And then right. within our own groups, there were judgmentals. There were there were tribunals. They're going, you ain't black enough if you're doing this or you're not this if you're doing this. So, you know, I understand and I hear you when you say everything was a challenge. Everything was yeah. was running a gauntlet. Yeah. What do you think it was? I mean, because I'm sure at some points you had doubts. What do you think it was 
that enabled you to run those gauntlets? Because my moms used to say, you know, they can knock us down, but if we keep getting up, we got a shot. Yeah. What was well, it? What was what was your mantra, or what what helped you move forward? Do you, you know what, Alex? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there were two very specific things that happened with me. One was my mother, mm -hmm. uh, uh, who passed in 2015, but she was an artist. I'm sorry. She, oh, thank you. She was a she was an artist, and she was what they call the commercial artist back in the day. I guess mm -hmm. you would call that graphic design now. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in every apartment we had, she had a space or a room with a funny slanted table with all of these kind of drafting table a drafting table and a special here it is, a special brush to clean the crumbs off the table you know and all that kind of stuff wait a minute is that your mom's brush Here's my mom's uh, uh hey no moms yo yo don't talk Watch about how you say that <laughs> don't talk about my mom's yo there you go <laughs> yeah this is a uh, the eraser brush to brush the yeah, stuff yeah. off you know and i kind of saw this as like wow so this is a real thing because outside we all used to sit on the steps of the stoop for you New Yorkers and draw. And everybody on the block used to draw. We would like, you know, draw, yo, this is, you know, you look like this or we draw everybody, but they're transformers, you know, <laughs> that have their head on it, but it's a transformer. Body. And then at some point they all kind of just put that away right. or, or that was taken from them in some way or that you part of the last dream. ones, you had the last one drawn. Yeah. And I, because, because I had my mother upstairs who was like, you know, had clients and was talking about, hey, you know what, if you're going to do this, you have to keep your work clean, not like like Tijuana Bibles clean, but more like there's fingerprints and like Kool-Aid right. stains on your work. It's right. got to keep it clean. So, you know, I had her in my corner, which also helped me get into creative performing arts high school because I had to audition. Right. Mm -hmm. This is 85. I had to audition to get into this magnet school, which is a public, still public school, where I had to have a presentation case. And you had to have a, a really good selection of uh, your uh, your art styles. Like some were life drawings and some might be like, a, you know, your own specific thing. Some self-portraits. And that's a lot for a kid to know. You mm -hmm. know I almost had a little bit of a, of a cheat code because I knew what they were expecting because of her. And then the second part was going to performing arts high school. Uh, I used to talk about this a lot. Um, and the time that I was in the school, there was kind of like a golden age of okay. people who were there. So like boys to men, mm, were, were, wow, I went, wow. I went to school with and the roots I went to school with and, you know, all of these super like mega famous people, we were all kind of just, you know, dirty kids at the same time going to the school. <laughs> and well, I think what really helped me strive is because I watched these guys get record deals or break you know, charting records and stuff. I was like, but yeah, I, I was in English class with that kid. Right. It's not like, oh, I went to the school and 20 years ago, this guy went there and he was- It famous. makes it real, right? It made it real. Yeah. It made it real. And I and it made me just, it made me fearless. Like if these guys could do it and I'm already on this path, I'm just going to- I heard that guy burp in English class. I know he's just a regular guy. <laughs> That's right. They're not superheroes. But that, that, you know, those two things kind of really helped keep me on this path when a lot of people gave it up that's cool so, so yeah, it took a long time to realize that human beings did all the art i was looking at yeah you know i thought it was just kind of magical yeah and a sophomore year of my high school um i was in the lit mag and they wanted to do a new york issue mm -hmm. i know what to do and I called up Marvel Comics for to interview Stan Lee. And <laughs> the woman, she heard my voice. I hadn't gone through puberty or anything yet. I was so young. She says, I think he's a little busy. When's your deadline? And my deadline was like three months in advance. <laughs> she got me that interview. And that's oh. when I realized, oh, people do this stuff. <laughs> right. and it changes everything, right? Once it becomes real... It yeah. changes everything. Yeah. It really does. It really does. It's such so, a thin so, layer between. So let's the two. let's let's get to um, some of the real moments that have now escalated or elevated your your stature from one level to the next. I'm not going to say you're greater than because you've always been great. You know, you're a great oh, man. But but let, let's just let's look at that progression. I, I know because KCC and Kids Comic Con website like 10, 15 years ago, laid out some comic strip that had this kid in a funny little costume with goggles, right? And that, yeah. that was Leon. And we're going to talk about Leon the Extraordinary, but then he was Leon Protector of the Playground. 
Yes. yes. And this was a comic strip that you were already doing 15 years ago. Yeah. So let can we segue into you 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 made it and we can talk about high school again and all that, but you, <laughs> you made it through high school. Did you also go to college? Yeah, I went to the University of the Arts here in Philly. Um, uh, as an animator, I uh, was an animation major, mm -hmm. uh, but I never wanted to be an animator. That kind of messes people up. Um, hey. I had, yeah, I had this idea in my head all the way back then that I was going to make my own stuff and I wanted to at least learn how to be in a room when this stuff was being made so mm -hmm. I could direct. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I never wanted to be that flip, draw, flip, draw guy. Yeah, but it, it also influences my style. If if you could say that I have a style to my work, it feels very animated. So I think some of that comes from there. So when did you start creating your own characters and 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 move forward with that? Mm. Uh, well, it goes back into I guess my origin story. Uh, getting into comics, I first uh, started doing comics in '98 uh, with the Jamar Chronicles was my first self-published work. Uh, and Leon, to get back to that, was uh, kind of a, I don't want to say it was an, aband an abandoned story. I never got to it uh, when I was doing like issues ahead of the Jamar Chronicles. At one point, my character, me, was going to go to this dimension where there was a kid who was basically like a Robin, like a ward of this superhero. And this, in this, uh, uh, story there's a lot of daddy issues going on so just imagine batman goes out for some newports and doesn't come back <laughs> damn right and now robin's kind of stuck in this bat cave like yo i'm 11 i don't know how to drive a car you know and i really like that kernel of an idea of like what do you do with a sidekick when there's no hero and that was really the genesis of what leon was and that was you know i i created the character but as I went forward, I changed the, the the backstory a lot to where he is now. So that was the genesis of it. He was going to be a, a part of my Jamar Chronicles comic. But I just be a sidekick without the, the mm -hmm. main hero. That's a fascinating concept. But yeah. that doesn't exist in Leon the Extraordinary? No. No, it's a totally That's different fine. story now. All right. Now um, that is property. <laughs> Jamar Nichols. That's right. Yeah, stay out of my pockets. Don't, don't steal that. Don't steal that concept. That's right. Uh, Alex, are you going to say something? You were just kind of muted for a minute. Oh, I, I, we can't hear. It's still muted. There was. Um, I was going to say something. There was uh, some background noise here. I didn't want to filter in while you were talking. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to say that. Uh, I, I just wanted to sort of stay on this track. Yeah. Uh, so you created the character of Leon with that different backstory at the time. Yeah. And, but you also said you were doing the Jamar Chronicles and so keep going. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things. It's it's funny how everybody loves a, a good multiverse nowadays. Right. <laughs> and I was kind of doing that stuff back in 98, 99, where I had this idea, you know, from the Jamar Chronicles. And a lot of my major things that I wound up doing in my career stems from that comic. Like uh, my character, Detective Boogaloo, Hip Hop Cop, was from the Jamar Chronicles. And Leon was from the Jamar Chronicles. And in, in my head, there's like a headcanon, as the kids say, where all this stuff kind of came from. Uh, but uh, really what happened with Leon a little down the road is like I kept developing it. And I remember showing you, Alex, we were at an Ekbok and I had some original art. And I said, Alex, what do you think of this? And Alex, you said something very plainly to me. You're like... I think this is it. Like, I think you have something here. And I remember that very vividly in my head. But, you know, I kind of kept workshopping this character and he changed a lot. Um, there's a probably besides what I did for kids, uh, KCC, uh, there was an eight page uh, backup story in an anthology with Leon in it. I think that was even more fun comics. It was like a CBLDF thing. Mm -hmm. and there's it's probably the long form the first long form comic book story i did with leon he was younger he doesn't look like he does now he had a lisp wow and also i think he and this comes in later he was a superhero in a world where everybody else was ordinary right and as i've altered the character to where we are now he's ordinary in a world full of superheroes Wow. Um, so and, and it was a lot of just kind of like dial tuning and just trying to find like where's this kid's voice at 
Um, and we could talk a little bit more about that, but it's, it's really funny to believe that I've been working on this character for so long when it seems like, you know, what do they say? Uh, success is, uh, overnight, 20 year overnight sensation. Yeah. 20 years to overnight sensation. Um, I really feel like that. I've been working on this guy for a long time. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm doing this this thing here where you've got the uh, the, the sort of green screen effect, but this is yeah. this is what the book looks like. Um, and this this sucker is 267 pages, and it is not self published. It no. is through Scholastic. Yes, sir. So obviously you've been happen? working on this concept for all these years. And you mentioned yeah. Detective Boogaloo, which we got to talk about later. <laughs> we got to come back to that. But you know, you're working on this character. He's gone through all these different developmental moments. Mm -hmm. And you persisted with keeping him somewhere at an important place in your head and building on him. How did it go from, okay, this is an idea, and then that, that that weird guy Alex Simmons said is pretty good. I don't know. How did it go from that to Scholastic calling, calling, calling. Yeah, it's that's a, that's a a great question, and a lot of it was being in the comic book space, and and I, I mentioned this in a, in another interview. I felt I always felt like when I first started in comics in like the the late nineties, I felt like there was a railroad track going through the industry. Either you're a mainstream person, mm. you work for Marvel, DC, maybe Image or Dark Horse. And then you're an indie guy, you know, and the indie guys felt like they were going to show those mainstream people and create their own characters. And the mainstream people felt like, well, you're not good enough to work here. You know, that was kind of the vibe for like, when I came in. I remember that era. Right. And it was just like, oh, well, so what's this little thing you do? Oh, there's a talking rabbit. Uh, and he shoots a carrot gun, whatever. You know, I'm drawing flash you know so you know there's no conversation to be held and then later you started to see that self-publishers and people who kind of did it all themselves kind of had these had a couple of keys on their ring that that the mainstream guys didn't have they knew about printing they knew about distribution they knew how to color and letter and do word balloons and how to work the computer and all the kind of stuff that maybe you know if you spent your career penciling daredevil you didn't know how to make your own character. That wasn't a language that you knew. Right. So, you know, at some point in there, I went from the kind of being jealous of all those other guys into looking at what I knew as a strength. So, you know, taking that one step further, I said, well, why am I really in comics? Because I don't feel like I'm doing comics at this point. I'm doing comic book related things, but you know, my audience seems to be more in this other space over here. And I, I still really didn't know much about traditional book publishing. Uh, and you started to see this market open up. And that's right around the time I did Fist, Stick, Knife, Gun. Mm. Um, where they even approached me for Fist, Stick, Knife, Gun because they were like, hey, you know, there's this book called Fun Home. And it's on the New York Times bestseller list. Can you make a fun home? You know, I <laughs> It, you know, it was like it was that kind of like that much of a blanket. It was just right. like, well, there's this thing, even blankets. Think of that. Yeah. Craig yeah, Thompson's yeah. book was big at that time. Yeah, and it was so it was such a wild west back then. Like nobody really knew how this worked. Is there even a difference between comics and graphic novels? What does this language mean? What's this manga stuff? All the kids sit on the floor and, and borders and read, and we don't understand. You know, it was all very in the air. So I started feeling like, well, let me go discover what's going on over here. And I found out that the things that I knew were a resource, you know, like, hey, you know how to do all these things? Well, yeah, I know how to do this. I've been doing this for 15 years. Well, here, come over here and do this stuff. So that's where I self we self-published uh, Leon Protector of the Playground, which was a Kickstarter. And and I did, and after I fulfilled all the Kickstarter stuff, this is twenty around 2016, 2017, I, we debuted it at the comic book conventions and people loved it. And I think what what's really, it. well, I think what's really important, especially be it in, in that space where if you go to a comic book convention, everybody in Artist Alley is trying to sell you their thing. Right. So I think it's kind of it's not it's not a guarantee you're selling out of anything at a comic book convention because you're competing with everybody in this hall. You know what I'm saying? So I, I was a little shocked that people were really uh, uh, tu tuning into this 
little black boy with a with a towel around his neck. Well, but at that time, mm-hmm. how many other books were out there with a little black boy with a towel around his neck? None. Right? How many people <laughs> saw that and said, I see me, I see, you know? And, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You, you fulfilled the need. You may not have known it was a need at the time. You were just yeah. answering your own call, but there was a lot of people that were putting that call out into the world, you know, they were not expecting that. it to be heard. Yeah. yeah. So that's how you, you know, you make that, that's the, that's the creative's dream, right? Yeah. To, yeah. to, you put it out and someone catches us. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. And that's such a, that's such a, a great feeling. And like so many things happened at this one convention at Baltimore comic-con where things were being realized, you know, uh, the, the organizers were really nice enough to spotlight Leon as like the mascot of the show. Wow. They gave me all this stuff. There was like the t-shirt, there was pomp and circumstance. And then halfway through the Saturday, this little boy walks around the corner dressed like Leon. Oh. Uh, How'd that I, feel? <laughs> I, you know, if there weren't tears there, because I was a little shell-shocked. This, was my, this actually was my second cosplayer. I was at another show. And a little girl came around the corner dressed like Leon. Oh, and it, it was so one. right, and it was so out of left field. People thought that was my daughter, or I paid this kid. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, how would anybody know who this is? How much you pay this kid? Like, I don't know this kid. But when this little boy came around a corner and he had the big like dish washing gloves on and the cape, <laughs> the utility belt, something clicked in my head. I was like, well, I, I think this is it. I think this is this. I think this is what we're doing now. Wow. Uh, um, and it just kind of made everything real right at that moment. So that's a really important part of this. So off of that, um, and this is maybe if we could talk a little uh, a little inside baseball. What I seem to find with a lot of people who do things like, you know, Kickstarter, what have you, they are very excited to get their book out into the world and say they their Kickstarter was successful. They got their money. That's great. I mailed you off my books. Hey, let's do another Kickstarter. You know, but since it takes me so long to do this stuff, yeah. I try to I try to wring every drop of water out of a project before I go to the next one. Sure. So a- after we f- uh, uh, fulfilled all the Kickstarter stuff, I you know I started going to combo conventions and I started going to like um, you know uh, kids book festivals and things like that. Just thinking outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And there was such a hunger for what I was doing. It caught me by surprise again. You know, I'm at New York Comic Con now and the organizers gave me a really nice space. I was like right at the beginning of Artist Alley. Sold out Saturday afternoon. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't I don't have any more books. You know, like these are good problems, as I like to wow. say. Yep. Yep. And, and from there is really when things started uh, uh, ticking off. Uh, Leon Protected Playground won uh, a Glyph Award that year. Yeah, uh, I received the Dwayne McDuffie Award for diversity the the next year, um, and I, I got myself a literary agent a couple of years before that. And I kept I was saying things like I I I need to get Leon in front of more people because I think I've kind of exhausted what I can humanly do mm-hmm. as one person. I need I need an infrastructure. So we started shopping deals around and uh, got the attention of a, a couple of the big five. Um, I was fortunate to say that Leanna was in a, a bidding war wow. uh, where, which was great because I have representation. I was able to say who I was going to go with. It's not like they won me. Like I got to choose what I wanted, uh, which is great. It's great to have that kind of agency in your own career. And I went with Scholastic. And uh, so now uh, I'm part of the Scholastic Graphics imprint. Mm-hmm. And you guys, it's like, I don't know if you're big rap fans, but it seems like it's like the Def Jam of, <laughs> of, of, of book publishers. So All right. Raina Teglemeyer is there, Jeff Smith's Bone, um, Kazu Kibuishi's Amulet, just like the heavy hitters of kids' graphic novels are on this imprint. And, you know, to see Leon on the masthead next to Bone is just, it just, it's it's still that's, that's it's it's still amazing to see you know so I'm very happy to be in this place. One cool. one of the things I I get from everything you've said 
is that you played the long game. You know, this was not no one hit wonder. Uh, one month you tripped over it one morning and there it was. It's, you've been building this <laughs> yeah. for all of these years from childhood forward. And and you've had, uh, at least from what I've seen of you, you've had not only the, the skill and the artistry, but you've had the patience and the vision and the professionalism to deal with a lot of the things that have come up along the way and to yes. stick to it. And I think that really what you, I can say right now is that you've earned everything that you've received. Thank you. Thank you. That means no a lot question to me. You make me it. blush. I appreciate that. No. So I, I, I want to follow that up with a question if I can. Sure. So, so you have earned and congratulations on all the success. Thank you. But there's a lot of people uh, listening to you now who are at the other and they're at the beginning or they're they're in the weeds mm -hmm. or they're through that phase you know that phase where mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it's going to happen mm -hmm. how did you keep the faith during all that time all those things well it's it's it was tough it was tough yes it is and and um i used to subscribe to a couple i had a couple of uh I guess I would call them mentors and I didn't know they were mentors. Uh, I was a big fan of uh, Stephen Pressfield, uh, uh, The War of Art, if you've ever read yes, that. Yes, sure, sure, sure. And that was very eye-opening to me. And The War of Art talked a lot about resistance mm -hmm. and, re and resistance taking on a lot of forms. And those forms could be your well-meaning family members who just want to look out for your best interest because you seem really involved in this thing and we don't know if it's going to work. So yeah. maybe maybe you should like protect yourself and just give this up while you know while the yeah. getting's good. Get an application yeah. from the postal service. Yeah. You know? Get a backup. Get a backup right. job. That's you know? right, because you know the post office is hiring. Yeah. That's right. You know, and or even, you know, that you know, that ex-wife who always kind of didn't really think this was going right. to work. Why are you wasting your time? You need to cut the grass. You okay. know, all of that stuff is real. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and I will be the first person to say that resistance is real and life happens while you're making <laughs> making other plans and all that kind of stuff. But I really had a strong conviction that I was going to make something work. And, mm -hmm. you know, a career came from that. So, I mean, but without it sounding like it's just a, a dart throw. Right. No, there's a, there's a lot like and just to what Alex and, and you were saying. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of prep. Yeah. I put myself in a lot of positions to be the first at doing something. Yeah. And I didn't plan that. And Alex, you know that like I was hosting the award show for years. I was putting myself in places that other people didn't know there were avenues to do that. And, okay. you know, I, I think it's important that you find a way to make yourself unreplaceable. Okay. Um, yeah, and, I always try and say, how can I be of use here? You yes. Know, and then get in that way. How can I be of use? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about a bird. And then I want to ask you a question. <laughs> a bird. Okay. <laughs> I have this bird. I put him up on social media this morning. Um, for the last couple of days. Oh, the bird. Yes. Yes. He's been slamming into the bay window at our like little dining room okay. and he won't give up, but he keeps trying to do the same thing. Bam, bam, bam. I, he, he's going to, if he hasn't hurt himself already, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. And, you know, I've, yes, I went out in my pajamas and try to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Didn't oh, work no. so well. Yeah. However, your, your, um, your conversation here uh, about Leon kept suggesting evolution mm. so there's a there's a i think a um a gold mine here to talk if we can get you to talk about it sure about objectively looking at a project you love and considering what might work better mm. right because you evolved leon you've, yeah. you've said that right so that's a that's a particularly um precious skill that can really pay off great dividends. How did that work with you? How did, you know? Ooh, oh, that's such a great question. You know, I think it's, if you can be really, really um, real, if you can be real with yourself for a minute, mm -hmm. um, 
and just look at things like maybe you've you've drawn the best picture of this character you've drawn up until that point maybe you can do better the next time right. and never really feeling like you're finished i think that's probably what worked for me the most i never really looked at like drafts of things like oh well you know what i can make him better this time or right. he'll he'll be different the next time things just kind of like the character evolved along with my understanding of how kids work um, oh. So I'm, I'm, you know, going back to the soup. I'm pouring all these other things in. So you're talking about research. You're talking about yeah. life experience. You're yes, talking about yes. bringing that all in and staying open. Yes. And not falling into the trap of, I give up. That's right. a that's a tightrope. Yeah. Or it, only one way it can be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, like that bird. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, maybe the bird needs to use the door. Yes, of, the you know, knock on the door, ring the bell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's on the ring, like looking around. Hey, how you doing? Can we got I, anything? Can I get? Can I get in? Uh, but yeah, I think that's really important. And I, but I've also seen people stuck, and people who who kind of like go to their grave with this idea, and they have a like a tote bucket full of papers that mm -hmm. they're just trying to make this work. And want somebody just please listen to me. I have this great idea. But they're not really figuring out a way to make it work for the people they're trying to give it to. It's just kind of like a, it's like a whole hog. Take this thing and realize my genius type of right. thing. And I just I kind of don't look at the world that way. It's like if it's not working this way, maybe there's a different way to turn the sphere. And maybe mm -hmm. there's another facet that you can look at. And I feel like that's kind of how Leon evolved. Uh, there's a couple other things with that is I was teaching. Mm -hmm. uh i i've taught i've taught um uh continuing ed with uh, uh comic book workshops and doing kids workshops and just kind of like immersing myself in like how kids talk to each other um which i feel is such a it's almost i don't want to call it an art but i feel like there's a lot of people who want to reach kids or reach a kid audience but they don't speak the language you know what i mean and, and don't care to and they don't care to. Yeah. And it's one of the things that's, uh, it's funny now that I'm in this new water, I've met authors who, who I go, what, that's the guy who does that? He doesn't seem like someone who would be writing kids books. Right. You know, like, I don't, I don't see the connection there, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, that, and also just in my, all of my day jobs have always been, I've been surrounded by youth culture. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I've also held really close to my recollection of being a kid. And, you know, the heart of Leon is if you were 10 years old and you had a utility belt, what would you have in it? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> like putting yourself yeah, it's right there, yeah. putting yeah. yourself in that space of like imagination. I feel like you have per, imagination has to be protected at all costs. Oh, yeah. and, the, and the older we get, the more we forget about it. Again, yeah, you gotta energy. work it like any other muscle. You gotta yeah, work yeah, it. Yeah. I, I would have bazooka that, in that utility belt. I know yeah. that. I also so useful. That, you know, <laughs> that the kid in me comes yeah. up with wild and wacky ideas, and then it's up to the adult in me to figure out how to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's real. And you know, and my audience is, you know, I, this is a middle grade series, and I, I've been doing school visits and things like that, and it's the best. It's the it's the best drug I have to say. Just being oh, yeah. in front of a of a group of kids, and there's a part of one of my workshops where I go, okay, if you had a utility belt right now, what would you have in it? And one kid <laughs> said, uh, I'd have kittens and glitter in my in my utility belt. And I said, in the same pouch, or would they be separate? You know, like just having fun with it, you know. And, and that's that speaks to them. You know, and yeah. I, I just, you know, because you don't judge their ideas as nonsensical or anything like that. Really? Well, what would you do with that? How would that right. work? You know, and you see where their heads go. You, yeah. you know, Mark Mariano, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good for Mark you. Mariano, for those of you listening, is another artist friend of ours uh, who does his own books and everything. He's wonderful. Uh, he and his wife have this wonderful little boy. And they did this great thing with, with their son when he was younger than he is now. He would have these, when they would play with him, he would just sort of go off and tell these wonderful stories about a character or something going through all these different things in a firehouse and he had a fire truck that he played with. And, everything. Mm -hmm. and the stories, you know, that they would like start down, it was like a choose your own adventure in a mall kind mm -hmm. of thing, you know? And so instead of 
trying to steer his story, Mark began to draw what he was saying. Ooh, and wow, he just they just kept collecting these in whatever direction the kid took the story in, he would draw that. And eventually he published the book. Yeah. And it's great because it shows just how a child's imagination gets on the bicycle or tricycle and just tears off. You know? <laughs> and it's great. Yeah. It's just great. And that's that's one of the things that I think is the beauty of being a creative when you give yourself permission mm-hmm. to just run wild and free through your imagination to see what comes up. And to then, you know, through some skill and practice and some other kind of structure, turn it into a Leon the Extraordinary or, you know, uh, was it a a Blackjack or a Genius High or whatever it is that we're Mm -hmm. we're talking about or Detective Boogaloo, Hip Hop Cop, you know, I mean, that's the joy of being what it is that we do and what we do entertains educates and informs others yeah and sometimes just represents others yeah and i think that's a great place to be yeah um i'm looking at the time only because i have to do that yeah. uh, i want to make sure i never did to, to share any thoughts or anything that you would like to to pass on uh, recommendations suggestions sure. uh, a good recipe something <laughs> yeah sure uh you know just to kind of speak on this the, this new road I'm on uh, since, like I said, uh, I uh, left my day job last last May. And um, a lot of people have said some really nice things about me. And it's great to be to, like to be in the system so long. You know, we've come up with people. There's, you know, there's a lot of really great people who are like giving me lots of really great feedback. And, you know, Jamar, this is so fantastic. Everybody's so happy for you. That's amazing. That's an amazing feeling Mm -hmm. to have. I think community is really important and to make sure that you're always kind of like making sure you're accessible and not, you know, kind of in your own head so much that you can't you know, help other people out or help other people up the ladder. I think that's really important. But uh, also just to remember that all you need is one yes. That's right. You just need one yes. You might have a thousand no's, but you just need one yes. You just need one person to believe in you. Uh, And then it's all back on you to kick that door in once you get that yes. Um, uh, oh, one other thing, because we didn't really talk about it, and it's kind of a thing that people have been asking about lately. And maybe I can come back on the on the, the podcast, you, mean, you guys. Definitely. <laughs> well, I got to ask. I'm not gonna Definitely. Okay, you've asked and you've been answered. Yes. Uh, it's kind of like the new world we're in, in literary representation. Because, uh, you know, I wish my job was as easy as laying on my stomach watching cartoons and drawing with a crayon all day. That's not how this works. Uh, and to be able to be in a space I am and, and be around the people that I'm in, in uh, partnership with, uh, I, I need a really, really strong uh, team <laughs> to, make, to make all this right and to make sure that I'm being treated fairly. And if that's something that you don't really know a lot about, you should start looking into it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm I'm all about team self-publish, uh, you know, uh, however you get your stories out is great. But if you're going to start swimming in the waters and traditional publishing and even in comics, I know a lot of comic book artists who have agents now mm-hmm. just to kind of help negotiate contracts for them and to make sure things are equitable, which, you know, coming because up that in world has changed. Yeah. Come, even coming up in the, yeah. in the in the world that we came up in in comics, a lot of comic book deals were handshakes. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I'm sure we all know people who have lots of bad feelings about certain people because of what you said you were going to do. Oh yeah. You know, you kind of need to have a good team. So um, I, you know, I would behoove people who are into this and wanting to move further in their career to look into that. Maybe it's not for right now, but you should at least be aware how this stuff works. Would you suggest a place or two for where they might look? Well, here's something. And I think uh, somebody was actually surprised that I subscribed to this. Start, uh, get, if you don't want to get a subscription, start going to Publishers Weekly. Mm-hmm. And Publishers Weekly is a weekly magazine that talks about the traditional book world. 
you know, what's going on in the kids market, what's going on in adult fiction, mm -hmm. the New York Times bestselling list for this week, uh, who now works at Random House and left HarperCollins. Mm -hmm. Like you can see the machinations of how the book world works because it is its own ant colony. There's yeah, a whole yeah. other thing going on over there. And, and it is the business of the creative arts that you're entering. Yeah. It's not just creative arts. It's, it's right. business. Right. And that's right. another, that's a whole nother side of the building. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, it's, it's, it's a different planet. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. creating is one thing. Even hanging with creatives is one thing. But the business end, they think differently. They have different goals. They, mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. goals line with your goals. But, you know it's it's a different species yeah and you have to know you have to know my, my grandfather said to me at one point um he when i was very very young he owned a diner of his own and i remember going to it and enjoying it and then at some point in the years as i was growing up he he let go of it and mm. then so when i was in my late teens um i got to do some odd jobs with him and i found out he was now a janitor at a mm. restaurant on the east side and i was going there, helping him clean up and stuff like that. And he's working his butt off. And at that point, he was an older man. And I said, why are you doing this? Why are you working so hard? You don't own this place. And he looked at me and he said, because I gave him my word. Mm. And I looked at him and said, yeah, but he's no, I gave him my word. And it didn't sink in at that moment. But within about a year or so, I got it. Your word is all you own. Mm. Yeah. You know, and yeah, some people you can shake hands with and some people just they didn't know my grandfather. So, you know, yeah, you got to You got to do your homework. You got to have some representation. You got to have things signed, read yeah. and signed. So you got to take care of business in a business like manner. And that's that's a different game. It's a different yeah. game plan. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, thank you for that, Jamar. That's that's an extremely important point. Yeah. Um, where are you going to be now? You said something that you're going to be, you know, hitting the road there. You and Jerry Kraft and a few others are out there now, you know. Jerry Kraft, man. I can't keep up with Jerry Kraft. Yeah, who he's can? Everywhere. Who can? Yeah. <laughs> he's everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. I have um, I have a couple of uh, appearances coming up. Uh, I'm going to be in Acton, Massachusetts next week uh, at the Silver Unicorn Book Festival. Of course you uh, are. Of course I am. <laughs> uh, and then I'll be back around uh, the Pennsylvania area for a couple of things. The best way to catch up with me is on uh, the socials on my website. Uh, Jamar Which is? JamarNicholas.com. And my Instagram is, and this is, this, this is really unfortunate. My uh, Instagram got nuked last year. Oh, no. It, I wish I wish I even had a good story to go along with what happened. It was just kind of like, sorry, we got rid of your account. Start over. Uh, so oh. I, lo I lost thousands of people and I'm starting over. So my oh. new Instagram is Jamar underscore Nicholas underscore cartoonist. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and apparently they're trying to take everybody's blue check marks away if I don't right. start paying somebody. Right. They want you it. to pay. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also on Twitter at, at Jamar Nicholas. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's a, a quick way to uh, follow up with me. And, you know, you can see uh, everywhere I'm I'm going to be at, I, I post regularly. with cool. Quick, quick question with that, since we're talking business. Is yeah. there a way for people to get on a mailing list with you? Yes, I do have a <laughs> and talked about teams. So I'm I have I have an assistant and apprentice and that's their April goal is to get my uh my mailing list up and up and going, but yeah, but if you go if you go to jamarnicholas.com, uh, there's a contact uh, page where you can you go. just email me and say, "Hey, I want to be on the mailing list." So we'll make gotcha. sure we got you, got gotcha. you, beautiful, beautiful, Jamar. I love you, man. So good to have you on the show. And yes, Thank you. gold, darn it, ding, busted, you will be back. I will be <laughs> back. I love Chris, it. Did you want to say anything? I say it was great to meet you. Uh, I look forward to you coming back so you can talk about Detective Boogaloo. We didn't get oh, enough yeah. time to Detective yeah. Boogaloo. Yeah. Um, but everything that's out there, I know there's a couple of things I have to um, order because mm -hmm. uh, I was fascinated with the fist, stick, knife. Gun, there you go. A gun, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then and Leon, Leon. Leon the Extraordinary. Yep. That, come yeah. on, that's the guy. 
Yeah. Oh, and just to let you know, which is funny, like, you know, the, the machine we churned out extraordinary. Uh, there'll be the next book in the in the series. Uh, as I don't know, we, we talked about that. It's a series. Yep. So I have a three book series at uh, graphics and we're I'm hoping very strongly that we continue that with more books. Cool. Uh, What's but, the second one called and when does it do? Uh, the second book I, we might be changing the title of the day okay. uh, of the it's book. gonna be leon something leon two electric boogaloo right. <laughs> <laughs> uh the title is to be determined but it'll okay. be out summer 24 cool summer of 24 okay so we got a year and but at that point oh, we we'll definitely have you back return then. to the playground right <laughs> that's right i love oh i like that i'm gonna break this one. i love it Okay, right. buddy. It's again so good to see you. I wish you nothing but the best, and we thank will you. stay in touch as usual. Anyway, but yes. you will be back. And Chris, thank you, thank you, thank you for thank being you. here. Always again. a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be in your presence, Alex. Great to meet you today. Whew. Go out and get some books. Yes, yes everybody. Fantastic. Stay positive. Stay creative, everybody. Take care. Peace. Thank you. Take care.